America's favorite pastime, baseball, is chock full of tall tales and legends. There's just something about the sport that inspires the imagination of this nation to never be satisfied and know that there's always more to learn or discover. One of baseball's most memorable icons, Babe Ruth, has a history filled with myths or stories of grandeur that have long endured over time. Most casual baseball fans know of the called shot. More studious fans of the game and its personalities will know of George Herman Ruth's outrageous eating habits and the curse of the Bambino. But even the most religious of baseball zealots of whom I've spoken with aren't aware of the woman who struck out Babe Ruth and his hitting duo Lou Gehrig in back-to-back at-bats. For that reason, Jackie Mitchell is a hidden gem of history. Born Vern Beatrice Mitchell Gilbert on August 29, 1913, Jackie, as she was nicknamed, was the daughter of Dr. Joseph Mitchell and his wife Vern. Jackie was introduced to baseball by two very influential people in her life, the first of which was Jackie's father, who took her to games and taught her the basics like the positions on the field and the rules. The second was her next-door neighbor, Charles Arthur Vance, or Dazzy, as he is known today in Cooperstown. As far as baseball mentors go, Jackie couldn't have asked for a better one in Vance. He was a World Series champion, a National League MVP, he led the entire MLB in wins in back-to-back years, he threw a no-hitter, and led the league in strikeouts for seven, yes, seven straight years, a completely unthinkable notion in the modern MLB. During the apex of Vance's career, Jackie learned how to pitch from the future Hall of Famer. One of the pitches Dazzy taught the young girl was known as a drop ball. It was a pitch that, like the name suggests, broke or dropped hard in front of the plate to hitters, causing some wild and outlandish swings. Baseball historians suggest the pitch was most closely classified as a sinker if it was thrown today. Without Vance's input, it's unlikely Mitchell's career would have advanced as quickly as it did. At 17, Jackie Mitchell put on the leather mitt and went to work first for the local women's team in the Chattanooga Anglettes. Joe Engel, as the namesake suggests, owned the Anglettes. The former pitcher must have seen something in young Jackie, either presiding over his female baseball club or at a training that Jackie traveled all the way to Atlanta, Georgia for. Whenever Joe Engel did see Jackie play, he snatched her up almost on the spot, signing her to his double-A team, the Chattanooga Lookouts making Jackie the first woman since Lizzie Arlington to play for a men's minor league baseball team and the first woman of the 20th century to do so. Engel wasn't just a businessman. Joe Engel was first known as an MLB pitcher and a legendary scout. Engel was extremely talented in this regard. During his time as a scout, Joe Engel found all-stars, batting champions, World Series champions, and a handful of eventual Hall of Famers. Engel knew star potential when he saw it. Would Jackie be another one of his great success stories, or forgotten failures lost to time? Still 17 years of age, Jackie Mitchell participates in what will be known as the game her legacy rests upon. Usually a pitcher's debut in the MLB is stressful for multiple reasons. Having to pitch against major leaguers is an entirely different process. There are more eyes watching, the talent level is much higher, as well as most expectations. 
However, I would say Jackie's debut was especially difficult. The 1931 New York Yankees featured nine future Hall of Famers, including six of those players in the batting order. The fearsome Murderer's Row versus the first woman in the 20th century to pitch professionally. Jackie Mitchell didn't enter the game as a starter, instead as a reliever in front of over 4,000 fans. The first batter to face Jackie? George Herman Ruth, also known as Babe Ruth, arguably the greatest baseball player of all time. For Ruth, this at-bat was nothing out of the ordinary. He had taken tens of thousands over the course of his career. He tipped his cap in Jackie's direction before Jackie threw her sinker for ball one. The next sidearm delivery by Mitchell bewildered Ruth as he swung and missed nowhere near the pitch. After a 1-1 count, the third pitch in the sequence crossed up Ruth again. After a second swing and a miss, Ruth, visibly upset, asked the umpire to check the ball. On the payoff pitch, Ruth watched as Mitchell painted the outside edge for strike three. In a fit of frustration, Ruth discarded his bat in a huff before a second Hall of Famer, Lou Gehrig, stepped in to face Mitchell. Jackie, now finding her groove, struck out Gehrig in only three pitches. It was looking like Jackie was on her way to finish a clean inning, needing only to retire one more batter. The final batter of Jackie's outing that day was second baseman Tony Lazari. Lazari would lead the team in strikeouts for the season, but he was patient enough in his at-bat to draw a base on balls against Mitchell. Although that walk ended Mitchell's relief appearance, and her team would go on to lose 14-4 in front of over 4,000 fans and journalists in attendance, the fallout felt by Major League Baseball impacted the game for decades to come. The headline in the sports section from the New York Times the following day read, Girl pitcher fans Ruth and Gehrig. While this might seem like a positive for Mitchell, the Yankees players and the MLB commissioner at the time didn't think so. Babe Ruth was interviewed by the Times in that same article and said that women, quote, will never make good in baseball. Ruth cited physical limitations, explaining, they are too delicate. It would kill them to play baseball every day. It seemed that Kennesaw Landis, the baseball commissioner, agreed and promptly canceled young Jackie Mitchell's contract and salary with the Lookouts Club. While no official reason was given, it is assumed that Landis sided with Ruth on the durability of women playing baseball, although no quotes or evidence exists supporting or denying that assumption. Although women were not formally prohibited from playing professional baseball until the 1952 ban, Jackie would be the first woman to pitch or play for an MLB or minor league team for 50 years. After her expulsion from the lookouts, Mitchell sojourned on playing for a variety of organized baseball teams. None of them had a high profile, but they allowed Jackie to continue her career. In 1933, Jackie was part of a squad called the House of David, a baseball team whose players were known for their cartoonish beards but outstanding athletic prowess. As fate would have it, Jackie would pitch against another MLB team the St. Louis Cardinals in an exhibition. This time, there was a familiar face in the other dugout. It was Jackie's childhood neighbor and baseball mentor, Dazzy Vance. Vance was approaching the end of his career at age 42 and had recently transitioned into the bullpen for the Cardinals. Mitchell's squad beat the Cardinals 8-6 according to a local paper. I wonder what it was like for Vance to watch his former star pupil at half his age beat his team. 
I like to think he felt a great amount of pride watching Jackie command his signature pitch. Alas, this was not a passing of the torch moment as Jackie would retire around age 24, a few short years after this meetup. Some people have speculated that Jackie was tired of being viewed as a sideshow. Jackie was adamant that she was not a distraction, but a real pitcher, and wanted to be taken as seriously as she took her skills. Jackie retired to work in optometry with her father and refused to come out of retirement even for the legendary All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, which was immortalized in the film A League of Their Own. Over time, the validity of Jackie Mitchell's performance was questioned by many baseball historians. The game was originally scheduled for April 1st and could be seen as an elaborate April Fool's prank. Even the Times cast some doubt on the outing. In an excerpt from the article, it states that Ruth performed his role very ably by striking out before the delighted Chattanooga crowd, while Lou Gehrig took three hefty swings as his contribution for the occasion. Seeming to imply, albeit vaguely, that the two men struck out on purpose. However, implications and assumptions are all that is evidence against the legitimacy of the competition. Garrig and Ruth never admitted to striking out on purpose. The Yankees skipper at the time, Joe McCarthy, was known for being overly competitive and may not have liked the image of his baseball club being embarrassed by a teenage girl. So it's hard to accuse McCarthy of instructing his players to strike out intentionally. In my estimation, I find it extremely likely that Jackie Mitchell did in fact strike out two earnest opponents in Ruth and Garrick. One reason is the kinship and training she had with Dazzy Vance. He had taught her how to pitch. He saw potential in her. That part was not a practical joke. She even beat his own squad later in her career. Once may have been a prank, but pitching against an MLB team multiple times cast serious doubt on the notion that this was a charade. Another huge reason I disliked the theory that it was all a show was the fallout that came after. If the entire performance was preordained, then why take money out of Mitchell's pocket? Why void her contract and stop women from competing with the men at all? Didn't everything go according to plan? The exhibition made a profit, with the crowd filled mostly upon Mitchell's reputation. The home Chattanooga fans were happy. Is it reasonable to assume the lookout faithful liked Mitchell? My thought is the players were angry and embarrassed that Jackie had bested them. They didn't even deny she beat them. The complaints about women, and Mitchell in particular, was that they couldn't survive a full season. Not that they couldn't strike them out, or that they had no talent at all. Of course, that's just my two cents. As for Mitchell, she always held the position and belief that the game was played out like any other game. She furiously denied she had been used. She was eventually honored by the lookouts in 1982 when she threw out the first pitch of the season for their opening day ceremonies. Five years later, however, Mitchell passed away in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia at the age of 73. Mitchell's legacy inspired other girls to play the game of baseball, but also inspired books, a musical named Unbelievable, and may have been the partial inspiration for a recent TV series called Pitch, which aired on broadcast television which followed a woman playing in the major league and her experiences in a fictional storyline. Although few in the sporting world know her, 
Jackie Mitchell's incredible ascent into baseball culture and subsequent disbarring of her and any female hoping to play the game of baseball is a story worth rediscovering. If you have someone in mind who you think should be highlighted as a hidden gem of history, or just want to learn about an undervalued time in history, feel free to email the show at hiddengemsofhistory at gmail.com with your suggestion. Hidden Gems of History could not be made without the help of so many people. This episode especially could not be made without Tony Horowitz. In 2013, Horowitz wrote an in-depth article for the Smithsonian Magazine where I gathered a large chunk of my information. Tony Horowitz was a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who worked as a foreign correspondent for the Wall Street Journal and wrote for the New Yorker. He is also an author with his most recent work, Spying on the South, which was released in May of 2019. Tony Horowitz died in May 2019 at the age of 60 years old. This episode is dedicated to him. Thank you for joining me on Hidden Gems of History. I'm Matt Dahlberg.